Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here with us today. A happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here. And also, thank you for your patience. I know it's been several weeks we've been meeting in here, but hopefully the end is near and uh, progress is being made. And I think next Sunday we should be in our worship area and things will look uh, newer, things will look more beautiful. And so we appreciate uh, your patience in that. Also getting ready for VBS, I'll announce again, I was reminded by my wife that, that we need boxes. And so if you have boxes, especially large boxes, um, be collecting those, save them at home, and then we'll let you know when it's a good time to bring those up here and we'll get started with VBS. I'm going to do a scripture reading from Galatians chapter 5 as we begin this morning and we continue reflecting on the subject of joy. So Galatians 5 beginning with verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, I want us to begin with an exercise. And so uh, imagine yourself interacting with Jesus. Maybe you're having a conversation. Maybe it is a moment of worship. But, but think about Jesus and imagine yourself interacting with him. If you need to close your eyes, then do that. But, but just take a minute or two and consider what an encounter with Jesus would be like. If we were to go around the room and and talk about what it is each of us imagine, I am certain there would be some diversity. You know, we see Jesus in different ways. We focus on, on different texts, different parts of his life, different passages of the Bible. However, I'm also certain that there would be a lot of similarities. We see Jesus the same way because 
we've been trained to do so. We've been taught how it is that we should perceive Jesus. And I'll give you a few examples of this. There have been multiple portrayals of Jesus in in television and film over the years. And so when a person or, or maybe a group of people, they come together and they create a TV show or they create a movie about Jesus, they're taking their perception of him and then they're putting that perception on the screen. They're essentially doing what we just did this morning. They're they're taking their knowledge of Jesus, all of the Bible passages that they've heard over the years, all the sermons and and classes that they've listened to, and then they are imagining what it would be like to interact with him. And, And when people do this, they come up with different conclusions. And so just consider two of the most popular portrayals of Jesus over the last 20 years. The Passion of the Christ, directed by Mel Gibson almost 20 years ago, and then one that we've been watching here over the last couple of years, The Chosen. And I would say that both of these works are faithful to the text in that they portray the events and teachings of the life of Jesus. And so they take the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then they they transport them to the screen. And so they are faithful in that sense. And yet, the Passion of the Christ and the Chosen present two different ways of seeing Jesus. And so ask yourself this morning, do I see Jesus more like he is presented in the Passion of the Christ or more like he is presented in The Chosen. Now, now, all of you may have not seen those films, so I'm going to help you out a little bit. What's the difference? Okay, here you go. In The Passion of the Christ, Jesus is presented as very serious and solemn. And, And I believe this is how most people see Jesus. He is deity. He is the Son of God. He is on a mission to give his life for all of humanity, and that is a somber task. And that's who Jesus is. And this is the Jesus that many of us have in mind when we partake of the Lord's Supper. We treat the Lord's Supper as this solemn and somber meal, and we meditate in silence. And we dare not say a word. And it's interesting that we we nearly always meditate on the death of Jesus during the Lord's Supper. Now, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he did not say, do this in remembrance of my death. That's not what you find in Scripture. He said, do this in remembrance of of me. And so he wants us to reflect on his whole life when we come to the table. And in the early church, the Lord's Supper was a celebration, not a moment of grief and sorrow. 
They celebrated the resurrected Christ. They feasted and they enjoyed a meal together. And so there is the the passion Jesus. But what about the chosen Jesus? I, I think that the chosen does a much better job of portraying a biblical presentation of Jesus. The problem is, this is not the Jesus that we're used to. We're not used to thinking of Jesus uh, joking with others or smiling. We're we're not used to thinking of Jesus uh, building toys and playing with children. We cling to the Jesus of the cross, but that's only one side of Jesus. That's only one moment in his life. It's a very important moment. It is that. But we're, we're to imitate all the ways of Jesus. Amen. And so what was Jesus like, and why did the chosen get it right? Well, I want you to consider two verses in the Gospel of John. So we're going old-fashioned here. Again, we don't have a screen, but if you have a Bible, you can be turning to, to John 15. And, and both of these come from uh, John's farewell discourse in John 14 through 17 where Jesus is speaking to his disciples right after the Lord's Supper and right before he's going to go to the cross. And so he tells them some very important things. And this is what he says, John 15 and verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay? Then you can turn over a couple pages, John 17. John 17 and verse 13, Jesus says, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And so what was Jesus like? Jesus was a joyful person. Just think about these two verses. Not once, but twice Jesus tells us that he wants us to be full of joy. And he specifically uses this word full. He doesn't say we're to be a a little joyful or we're to be joyful sometimes, you know, when, when we feel like it, when we're in a good mood. He says we are to be full all the way to the top, overflowing with joy. And so where does this joy come from? What well, comes from Jesus? He prays there in um, chapter 17 for us to have his joy fulfilled in us. And so Jesus was a person of immense joy. And he wants all of us, everyone in this room, he wants us to have that same joy joy. So I want to suggest to you this morning, if we are going to be a joyful people, then we need to see Jesus for who he truly is. When we think of Jesus, one of the things that should come to mind is joy. And so we need to have a more well-rounded picture of Jesus. He was a man of sorrows. He wept in the garden. 
But right before he did that, he speaks these words that we read this morning in the Gospel of John. He speaks of the joy that that he had, the the joy in his life, and the joy he wants all of us to have as well. And so if we never think of Jesus as being a joyful person, then we have an inadequate view of Jesus and, and we're missing out. And so the joy of Jesus is to live in us. It's something like hope and love that is to set us apart from others, set us apart from people in the world. We are joyful when it does not make sense because our joy is is rooted and centered in Christ. And so how do we obtain this joy? This is one of the questions we want to reflect on during this series. How, How do we become more joyful? How do we obtain this joy? When Jesus speaks about joy in the Gospel of John, it it sounds like a gift. It sounds like something that we receive. And then you go to the book of Galatians, a passage that I read this morning. Paul tells us that that joy comes from the Holy Spirit. And then you go to other places in Scripture, and there are quite a few of them, where we are commanded to rejoice. So what is it? Is it a gift that we receive, or is it a command that we choose to follow? And people debate these things, and sometimes they have strong opinions about it. And the problem is that that people often take Bible verses, you know, they'll come up with some, and they'll they'll pit some Bible verses over here against others over here. And we so desperately want everything to be black and white, And often it's just a little gray. Is joy something that we receive or is it something we choose? My answer to that question is yes. (laughs) It's a false dichotomy. It's not either or, it's both and. We receive the gift of joy from God. But if we do not embrace it, and live it, then it does not matter. It's very similar, I think, to love. And so you'll think about love and God's love. God showers his love upon us while we are still sinners. He loves us before we ever love him. But then God also wants us to be loving beings. And so we are to embrace his love, and we are to live it out, and we are to love God and love others. And if all we do is accept God's love, and we never embody it, we never live it out, then we're not doing what God wants us to do. And we're not enjoying the full experience of God's love and allowing it to transform our lives. And the same is true with joy. Jesus gives us his joy. The Holy Spirit is working in us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. But we also have to choose the way of God. We have to make up our minds to follow the path of Jesus because God's not going to coerce us. He's not going to treat us like robots and and, and force his will upon us. We have to make up our minds 
to walk in his way. And this is something that we choose every day. Consider all the times that the command to rejoice, rejoice is found in the New Testament. It's all over the place. The most famous is Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, think about that fullness. Not rejoice in the Lord sometimes or rejoice in the Lord when it's convenient. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. God does not give us joy and then say, well, just don't worry about it. You're going to always be joyful because I've given you my joy. No. He gives us his joy. And then he says over and over again, rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice all the time. Don't stop. Keep on rejoicing. And so if we want to be a joyful people, we have to rejoice and keep on rejoicing. We cannot choose to constantly focus on what worries us and then expect to be joyful. We cannot choose to always fixate on what angers us and then expect to be joyful. These are the works of the flesh. We cannot mingle with the works of the flesh all day long and then expect God to work a miracle in our lives and make us a joyful person. And so how do we know what we are giving ourselves to, what, what it is that we're focusing on or what it is that captivates our lives? Well, it's not always easy for us to recognize. Because if it were, we'd do right all the time. We live in a world where corrupting forces and powers are at work, and they are often very sly and very cunning. And so when we consider whether we're devoting ourselves to joy, love, hope, peace, think about the conversations that you have with others. What do you talk about? What do you focus on? What do you say to others? Are you telling people about what makes you angry? Let me tell you about what makes me mad. Are you telling people about what you're afraid of? I'm scared about this. Are you telling people about what gets on your nerves? Or are you telling people about what brings you joy? Are you telling people about what it is that you love? Are you telling people about what makes you hopeful? There's a reason Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. There's a reason the author of Hebrews tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. There's a reason Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to allow all of these other influences to rob us of joy. But don't let it happen. 
we live in a crazy world that wants us to, to pay attention to all kinds of things that are not good for our souls. Consider 1 Peter 2 and verse 11, where Peter writes, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, what? Which wage war against your soul. We are in the midst of a battle for our souls. And the battle is not just going on out there. It's not just going on outside the walls of this church building. It's going on in here within us. And there is a war happening. And the way that we do battle is by choosing joy in a joyless world. We choose peace in a world that is divided. We choose love in a world full of hate. We choose the fruit of the Spirit over the works of the flesh. We choose light in the midst of darkness. One of my favorite musical artists is a man named Jason Isbell, and he used to play in a band called the Drive-By Truckers, and he lived a, a rough life. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and he was having success as a musical artist, but his life was going nowhere. It was a mess. And so one day, he decides that he needs help, and he gets sober, and he's been sober for years now, and he's very open about this. Um, he talks about it on social media, and, and you see it in his songwriting. He, he writes about it in his songs, and in the course of one of his songs, he sings this, it gets easier, but it never gets easy. And there's a lot of truth in that one line. It gets easier, but it never gets easy. Choosing the way of Jesus is a blessing. Choosing joy over anger or outrage or worry, it makes life better. It makes life easier, but it never gets easy. The battle doesn't go away. The darkness does not give up. The world does not change. And so what are we to do? We choose joy and we keep choosing it. We remember that Jesus was a person full of joy. And he wants that for our lives. And so don't choose anything less. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Smile. And be filled with joy. Let's pray. Dear God, we're thankful for this day. And what a joyous day it is as we consider the blessings of our mothers and we celebrate the mothers in our lives. And we pray for all the mothers who are here this morning. And Father, I, I pray that we would be pricked by your word. We understand that this world is a messy place, soft and dark. And it's not always easy to live in. But I pray that we would 
embrace the fruit of the Spirit and that we would live joyful lives, that we would love others, that we would be peacemakers, and that we would be people of hope in this dark world, and that maybe those around us would take notice, and they may even ask us why it is we are hopeful and why it is we are joyful. And I pray that we would be ready to give them an answer. We pray this in the name of your Son, who is full of joy and wants the same for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Won't you...